guys got Bibles? Going to the book of Hebrews. If you didn't know, uh, our church is reading through Hebrews. Um, that's our official, this is our official picture that Jimmy made. Stronger. Building faith and taking action through Christ and his covenant. Um, we're reading through Hebrews. Uh, it's going to be four weeks. I preached last week, this week, and then um, Jimmy's going to speak next week on the covenant, and then Pastor Jesse's going to talk about um, kind of the, the uh, calls to action and the encouragement from the book of Hebrews at the end. The end has a bunch of them, and so he's going to preach from that. So that's what we're doing, and we highly encourage, if you want to this week, read the book of Hebrews. Um, let's pray. Father, I just thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving souls. Thank you for touching our hearts. Thank you for family. Thank you for a place to worship you with freedom. Lord, we love you so much. Lord, I just, I pray for close encounters with you. For all of us, everybody in this room. I, I pray not just in church to encounter you, but I, I pray for all of us that we would have moments of connection with you in our cars, in our houses, in our rooms. Um, Lord, just moments to stop and connect. I pray for it more in Jesus' name. Lord, that it would transform us. Lord, that we would not just have titles of Christian, but that we would be Christians in Jesus' name to the fullness that Jesus paid for. Amen? Okay. So last week, actually I'm going to read this verse real fast and then I'm going to share on last week. This is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. It says, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. He says, let us, leaving the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. So this is in chapter 6, and you have chapters 1 through 5, him saying very basic things about Jesus. Okay, And last week, we talked about the first part of that which in essence is Jesus isn't a normal dude. He's God incarnate. God took on flesh. God became a man. That he has a name above all the angels. His throne is forever and ever. <laughs> He's God. And God put on flesh and he did something for us. And we ended last week talking about how he came for a purpose and he took on flesh for a purpose so that he could defeat the devil, he could set us free, and he makes a new and living way into communion with God, yeah? And so <clears throat> this week we're going to be getting into that, but so Jesus is God, and, and the second part that we're going to focus on tonight is this reality that Jesus is our high priest. So it's not that he's just God and he says, I'm so awesome. He's awesome because he is, and then he does something for us. And the Bible says that he is our high priest. That means he's our mediator. It means 
between us and the invisible God who lives in unapproachable light, there's a guy named Jesus who's made a way for us to be fully one with the living God. So, in other words, God is fully, Jesus is fully God, and yet he's fully man, and he's our high priest. So, let's read Hebrews chapter 2. We were singing about this, I felt, over and over again in the worship. Um, Did you guys notice we were singing a theme of freedom? You've set us free. I'm free. I'm free indeed. I'm free to dance and sing. I'm free to shout. I'm free. Did you know your freedom is established forever? If you were sitting in a jail cell, Jesus kicked the door off the wall. You might still be sitting in the jail cell. Got to come on out. But you're free. The Bible says whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It doesn't say, he doesn't say he sets you free, but you're still in bondage. He truly set you free. The door is open. In fact, I'm quoting from the book of Isaiah, where it says that he'll be anointed to preach the gospel so that the lame walk, the blind see. We all know that, but it keeps going. It says, to preach the opening of jail cell doors to those who are bound. That means that Jesus did something, which we'll get into. Jesus did something that made an availability and a reality truly from the inside out of freedom. Freedom from first the devil, freedom from sin, freedom from death, freedom. Freedom from fear, freedom in Christ. We were in chains of darkness, the Bible says, and yet he sets us free and brings us into a kingdom of marvelous light. Let's read, let's read this together. This is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. <clears throat> For he himself is our peace. Wait, I'm in Ephesians. How am I? How did I get into Ephesians? <laughs> That's a good verse, though. That was a good verse. <laughs> I started like, wow, that's a, that's a message, too. Like, I wasn't ready for it, but it was a good message. What did I say? Hebrews 2, 14. My Bible flipped the pages on its own when I was walking. <clears throat> okay. Inasmuch as we, the children, have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. Just like we, the children of God, have had flesh and blood, he likewise shared in the same. That through death, he might destroy him who had the power over death, that is the devil. Is the power of Satan destroyed in the future or was it destroyed at the cross? It was destroyed at the cross because it was in the death that he destroyed him. Okay, let's keep going. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Verse 17. In all things he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest 
in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he's able to aid those who are being tempted. And we talked last week a little bit about how if you were here, maybe you need to go listen to the message again, but we talked a little bit about how the blood of Cain, there was uh, Cain and Abel and, and his brother, he killed his brother and that blood spoke about the sin. And our sin talks. And there was, there was justice due for Cain, but the blood of Jesus talks way louder. And, and this verse says that God became a man, he took on flesh to defeat the devil through his death and to make the big word, propitiation for your sins, which means this. He did an act. It's such a weird word. We don't say it over cappuccinos, but we should. He did an act. He did an act. He did something that gained favor with God for you. In other words, we did a lot of acts that are not favorable. He did an act that was so favorable it covers everything. Okay, He made propitiation. He did an act that gained favor for you. So when you want to hang out with God, it's not, oh, no, I need to be a better little boy or girl so that he's pleased with me enough to accept me. No, Jesus fulfilled all of that for you. Through his death and resurrection, he fulfilled all of that for you. Some of us feel like, well, the devil's got a grip on me, and maybe someday I'll be free. No, Jesus actually died to set you free. Bible says, believe that you've received and you shall have what you ask for. Believe, believe, believe. Believe the jail cell door is broken off and the devil doesn't have a hold on you because he doesn't. You will travel on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and behold, nothing shall by any means hurt you. He's talking spiritually. He's talking the reality you are truly free. You're free from the, <laughs> come on. You're free from sin. You are free from sin in Christ Jesus. Now, some of you might not be living it and you're not experiencing it, but I'm telling you, the first step of experiencing it, believe it. The first step to experience freedom from the addictions of sin and those things is to believe that Jesus made you free. If you don't, you're going to try really hard, and one day you're going to get free. That's what you're going to think. You're going to think, I'm going to keep trying, and one day, one day, one day, it's going to be good enough, and I'm going to be free from whatever this is. The problem is, is there's too much I in there, and it's one day, I will do, I will do, I will do. And that's all self-righteousness, and if that's the way it worked, then Jesus died in vain. There was nothing we can do that could set us free. Every human died, went into the grave, and no one pulled themselves out of it. But then there was Jesus. The Bible says that God raised him, and it says, and if, even if he didn't, he would still raise from the dead. Why? Because he was perfect. He never sinned. He swallowed up death. Death is a result of sin. Christ experienced it when he never ever deserved death. He truly never, ever deserved to have any type of mortality or anything, and yet he experiences it fully to give us immortality. 
Yay. How fun is this? He loves you so much. It's not, sometimes we elevate the devil. I know I've said the devil a few times, but he's in the passage, so understand it. it <laughs> sometimes we elevate the power of the devil thinking, oh, the devil's doing this to me. He's, a, he's literally defeated. Before Jesus went to the cross, he says, now is the judgment of the ruler of this world. Now he's being kicked out. The Bible says that Christ put the devil to public shame. This is a hard word for me to say this next one. Triumphing over him on the cross. That's just a weird word. I don't like it. It shouldn't be in the English language. He made victory over the devil, triumphed over him on the cross. The Bible says he disarmed the devil. What's the weapons of the devil? His weapons are accusation, condemnation, manipulation. He twists things. He lies. He condemns you. He, he, he says, oh, what about Job? I don't know, man. And he speaks against our righteousness. That's what he does. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You see, humans, we live in a cycle sometimes where we, we do something and we feel like, oh, man, I feel like I've done something wrong. This is just life. And what happens, or people are broken or they're hurt, and then they live in a cycle of shame, guilt, condemnation, death, sin. Shame, guilt, condemnation, death, sin. They're never good enough. I feel bad. My life sucks. Forget it all. I'm going to do drugs. Or do something else. Or pretend that I'm so awesome and then I'm just being self-righteous to the max. Um, but that's a whole other story. That's where the Pharisees come in. But we end up living this cycle where we're either pretending like our life is perfect and um, we live a facade or we just live in absolute depravity and just brokenness. But Christ comes and he crushes all of that for you. <laughs> where you couldn't Pull yourself out. Literally, you will not be able to pull yourself out of the grave when you die. But guess what? You will come out of the grave because Jesus is coming back and there's going to be a resurrection. But guess what? He did something for you where it was impossible for you, where it was impossible for you to walk in newness of life. Christ Jesus died for you and he resurrected to give you that. He's got life for you. He's got righteousness for you. He's got life for you. I've come to the world that you might have life and life more abundantly. That doesn't mean that in your bank account you have a specific amount of money, although that he will bless you in those ways too. What I'm saying is your life starts on the inside so that no matter what on the outside happens, you're changed on the inside, period. There's coming a day where Christ is coming and everything that we see will be made new. True. And right now what he's done is, he says, he's changed us from the inside. In fact, it says it in here too, but we're gonna spare time. He puts a new covenant with us and he writes his law on our hearts. God wants to change you from the inside out. You're gonna we're going to grow and deal with situations in our life differently continually, more and more and more in a godly way, in a loving way, with the perspective of heaven. We're going to grow in terms of love and righteousness. We're going to learn how to sacrifice for others, 
even the ones that we feel like in this moment don't deserve it? Rarely a man dies for another friend or a righteous person. But when does someone die for a wicked person or somebody who's super mean? And Christ died for all of us. When we were yet in our sins, Christ died for us. And he shows his love for us. But I want you to understand something. Jesus is God, but he's also our high priest. High, high priests, there was a lot of priests back in the day in the Jewish religion. And they were all coming from the tribe of Levi. He had to be born in the family, okay? <laughs> and uh, no one else in, in Israel, of the Israelites, could be a priest. They had to be a specific lineage line. So these people would be priests, but there's multiple types. But then there would always be one priest who was the high priest, but they had to keep getting new high priests all the time because those high priests would die. Also, these priests would make sacrifices for the sins of the people. We know these stories. They would go and kill animals and do all kinds of things, bloods of bulls and goats, which, by the way, God had no pleasure in. It was just a story. It was for us to understand something that was happening through his son and what was going to happen. But regardless, these priests would do sacrifices for the people of Israel. And the Bible says that once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. And back then they had a temple and the temple had like an outer area, which there was this big basin thing. It was pretty cool looking. And then, and then inside... They had uh, 12 candles, menorahs, ginormous, made of gold. Really cool. And then that was in the holy place. And there was also a table with bread and different things in there. And then there was another room. I don't know what that was. There was another room. <laughs> and uh, the room was the holy of holies. Okay. Now, this, all of this was built... It originated because God told Moses to, to build this, and it was a replica or a shadow of the real temple, the eternal one, not built with man's hands in heaven. So this high priest would go into this replica, man-made temple once a year, and he would go up to this ginormous veil. It was, I think it was 30 feet or something like that. He would go up to this giant veil, super thick, by the way. It was really cool. It had cherubim all over it and palm trees symbolizing um, um, the Garden of Eden. And, and he would go through this veil and go into the Holy of Holies where in there you'd have the Ark of the Covenant and you'd have these massive statues, massive statues of these angels uh, called cherubim, huge, from wall to wall, and then their wings touched. And then you'd have the Ark of the Covenant. And he would go in there. He'd wear some jingly bells on his belt in case he didn't wash good enough, so if he died, they'd pull him out, tied to a rope. If he stopped jingling, yank the guy out. So he'd go in there once a year and make sacrifice for the people, and he'd have to do it over and over again. And the Bible says that we have a high priest in Jesus who, number one, doesn't die. 
This guy is a high priest forever, forever. And he makes one sacrifice for all time. One sacrifice for all time. In the Old Testament, every year, not just that, the peoples would bring their own sacrifices throughout the year. And, and, and at various times, they would do all, a bunch of different rituals, but they would do these things constantly, over and over again, washing themselves, etc. And Christ sums all of it up in one act, his death and his resurrection. One act, his death and his resurrection. And the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, we've said this, I think I preached this the other week, but when Jesus died on the cross, the sun went dark. Got dark over the land right when Christ was dying. All of a sudden, everything started to shake. An earthquake started to happen. Down the road, not that far, very close down the road, was the temple. And in the temple, right at that moment, in there between the Holy and the Holy of Holies, that veil tore from top to bottom, the Bible says. The veil tore from top to bottom. In fact, the guards who were at the cross... The guards were standing there, and one was like, OMG, literally. He's like, OMG, this is the Son of God, which means he's God incarnate. But Jesus, it's important first, we were talking about last week, it's important to understand that Jesus wasn't just a man, like a normal man, like a, he's not created like us, he's begotten. Did you know that he was actually begotten before time began? He was begotten before God made stars or the earth. He's the eternal, everlasting, begotten Son of God. He is the, we were talking about how he's the image of the invisible God. If you ever want to see God, you see Jesus. Before Jesus was born, he's the I am. When people hung out with God like Abraham and they talked with him face to face, they were speaking to the Son of God. He's the, God is so, listen, the Lord is standing right there talking to Abraham face to face. Do you think God was on the other side of the planet watching everything going on? Of course, he's everywhere. God's everywhere. He's omnipresent, yeah? But he's right here in this image, the perfect image of God, the expressed image of God, the image that we were actually made after. He formed us in the garden. Jesus, the word of the Lord was walking in the garden Jesus formed us. Jesus breathed in Adam and Eve and created humanity. Through him, the Bible says, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that was made. <laughs> He's God. But it doesn't stop there. You see, a high priest cares for people. He's, he, God did, Jesus didn't become a high priest. Guys, follow me. The Son of God did not become the high priest for us at the birth in, um, in, um, in Bethlehem. He, he did not become the high priest there. He's always been our high priest. He's always been the mediator between us and the Father. If it wasn't for the image of him, you would never even know God. And Jesus took on flesh and dwelt among us and literally revealed the invisible God to us. And beyond that, he wants us to have connection with him, relationship with him. You were made for him and by him and through him. He holds you together. He made you with an intent purpose. And the fullness of who you are 
can be expressed in a lot of different ways in the world, but your heart will only find fullness in relationship with the one who made you. And his name is Jesus. <laughs> but it's not just that he's God. He's our high priest. High priests cared for the people. They would make sacrifices so that the people wouldn't get judged. And the judgment would come on their enemies. Just read the Old Testament. Yes? Well, our enemy is the devil. And Jesus judged him. And he came to do a sacrifice. He actually cares for you. Sometimes we get an image of God like you've got to be good enough for him to be pleased with you. Just come to him as you are. Jesus did enough for you. Yeah. Je Jesus did enough for you. Just come to him as you are. You don't have to work up enough change. He'll change you. The Bible says he's the, it's in this book too, the book of Hebrews. He's the author and finisher of your faith. He's got you covered. Sometimes it's like, well, I'm not feeling really good. I'm not feeling really passionate about the Lord. Who gives a rip? Just hang out with him. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Forget all the, you know, whatever you need to forget and just relax. God loves you. All the things we care about in life, it's all going to be smoke and vapor pretty soon. He loves you. He loves you. <laughs> we got to love one another. It's hard to see another person. You know, love is active. Love, love like sees someone's issue and helps them. Love's active. It's hard for us to see other people's issues and help them when we got so many issues and we're like, oh my God. You know what I'm saying? The Bible says that we love, oh pray, how did this come here? Dude, I didn't even, did you do that while I was preaching? That was, that was as prophetic as the rain in Spain. <laughs> that was good. Wait, no, seriously, when's the last time you saw someone put water up here when I preached? Like, that, that, that moment, though, I was like, God, I'm parched. I just, and I, I don't know why, I'm so thirsty. And I look over and I go, oh, <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Is it just me? I'm like, that's crazy. Oh my gosh. Where were we? He's our high priest. Oh, love. Yes, thanks. That's where I was. Love. Mm -hmm. we, we love because he first loved us. Hi, high priests do things because they care for their people. The Old Testament the priest would sacrifice for the sake of the people. The Bible says that Christ lives, oh my gosh, you guys gotta just take this and hold it forever. He lives to make intercession for you. What does that mean? It means there ain't nothing, no place, no state, no anything that could be going on in your life in such a way that God's not wanting your heart and to love you 
and to pour his goodness on you. There's never a time, never a season, never a moment, even in your darkest sin, there's never a moment that God's not saying right here, right now, I love you and I want to shower you. with. I live to make intercession for you. That's our high priest. That's God. That's God. That's God. That's God. There is a day of wrath, but he's like, he lives to say, I'm here for you. I love you. How do you know that's true, Micah? Well, Jesus came and died for you. Okay. And he resurrected. That's how I know. <laughs> Preach. All right, a couple more verses. Hebrews chapter 8 says, Now this is the main point of the things that we're saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it was necessary that this one, capital O on the one, this one, also have something to offer. Woo. The priest would come with something to offer. Jesus entered, oh, thanks. Jesus entered into heaven not empty-handed. Jesus entered into heaven victorious with such a victory that cannot just change your life and your circumstances, it changes you. It changes you. And it changes, because it changes you, can change everything around you. It changes your past, which used to speak against you, to now speak for you, because your past is Christ. It changes your present, because who you are is now a new creation. The old things are gone. Behold, all things are made new. The Bible says you've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It changes this moment and your connection with God because you, do you guys think Jesus had a good connection with the Father? You get the same connection right now than Jesus had when he walked the earth. The same access. The exact same. Like, think about how spiritual Jesus was. He was so cool. He, we get to live with God in such intimacy where he says, I and the Father are one. We're one in him. where there was separation in our minds because of sin. The Bible says where we just read it, we were in bondage by the devil because of sin and death. 
where there was a gap in relationship between us and our Lord, he came and bridged the gap with the cross in the stretching of his arms and the reaching from east to west. As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. No longer shall I remember your sins anymore. There's never any stopping you to walk into the Holy of Holies. I'm not talking about old school temple that's just a replica. I'm talking the real place in your heart where you say, God, I want to connect with you. God, I want to worship you. God, I want to grab onto your feet. Some of us started and lived in that place for a while, and then the things of life just kind of dull us. I want to challenge you, grab his feet. Hold on to it. Think about it. Is, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to skip a few things. Let's go to Psalms uh, 110. If you guys don't know what the Psalms are, <laughs> they're not just poems, and they're not just songs. Otherwise, they'd be called songs, and they'd be called poems. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they're Psalms. In the Psalms, some of them are songs. Some of them are hymns. And some of them are psalms. But we're not going to talk about all those right now. I'm just going to say this. These are prophetic writings. The psalms. They're prophetic. David wasn't just like, woe is me. I hate my life. Sometimes we paint that as like that's what the psalms are all about. I want to challenge you to think a little deeper that he's actually prophesying, he's actually not the author of all the Psalms, but he's prophesying, and they're prophesying, the sons of Korah prophesying, people are prophesying about Christ, about the church, about what was to come. The Bible says that Jesus opened the minds of the apostles and disciples to understand scriptures concerning him. In Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms. Listen to Psalm 110. This is quoted in the book of Hebrews, talking about Jesus, okay? The Lord said to my Lord, who are the two Lords? You got the Father and the Son. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. God bless you. Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. It says in verse 4, The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. I'm, I'm forgetting everything else in my sermon, and we're just going to talk about this because it's enough to talk about. Talking about the name Melchizedek is fun enough. You, it says this in the Old Testament, yes? It says, you are a priest forever. It doesn't say you will be. You are a priest 
forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now let me just break that down for you. In the book of Genesis, Abraham won a battle. This is generations before there were the high priests and the Levites. There were none. There was no temple. There, were no, there was no tabernacle. Do you guys follow? This is generations before. Abraham wins a battle. A dude shows up. Capital. Big guy. Priest shows up. Without no priesthood. Shows up. His name is Melchizedek. What? We're English. What does that mean? It means king of righteousness. Melech is king. Sedeku is righteousness. Melchizedek, king of righteousness. Hebrew, king of righteousness. It calls him the king of Salem. The king of peace. The king of righteousness, the king of peace, shows up to Abraham. Now we remember, Abraham had already been hanging out with God. He's been having meetings randomly with God. And Moses is writing about these things. And now we've got this one appearing who's the priest. Who's the priest, the mediator the intercessor, shows up to Abraham and the Bible says he brings bread and wine. Shall we read three verses? You guys okay? I'm going to read it. Genesis 14. If you can handle, if you can just kind of, just chug along with me just for five more minutes. Okay? Genesis 14. So the thing is, I could literally keep going. I feel like we could like talk for hours, but I know, you know, we also like dinner. <laughs> All right, Genesis 14, verse 18. It's, it's three verses, very simple. Abraham won a battle. This is what it says. Then Melchizedek, out of nowhere, it just says this. Then the king of righteousness. Think of it like this. Then the king of righteousness. <laughs> the king of peace <laughs> okay brought out bread and wine gosh oh it's right there let's look at that took bread and wine keep going that's great he was the priest of God most high and he blessed Abraham and said blessed be Abram of God most high possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of all, a tenth of all of his spoils. Okay, Hebrews chapter seven says this. I'm just gonna, really quick. This Melchizedek, this king of righteousness, king of Salem, priests of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Abraham gave a tenth of part of all, and it says, first being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the son of God, remains a priest continually. 
Consider how great he was. Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. And then it says in verse 21, quoting from Psalm 110, which we read, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Guys, listen to me. Jesus is not lesser than some random dude named Melchizedek. That would be weird. Jesus is not a priest according to some order of some random dude that was born. This guy had no father, no mother, no genealogy, no nothing. He was the son, like the son of God incarnate. He's, he's the Lord manifesting himself as the priest to Abraham, and he brought him a gift. The gift he brought him was bread and wine. Bread and wine. This king of righteousness, this king of peace is the Lord before he was ever born. Very simple. Jesus was always the priest. He's always been the priest. He's always been the mediator. He's always cared for us, but he took on flesh and died for us at the end of time for all people, for all sin. Yes? Abraham didn't get blessed. Abraham didn't give money and get blessed by God. Abraham didn't give a sacrifice and get blessed by God. Abraham got blessed by the high priest with bread and wine. There's no sacrifice that you make, that you will make in this life, that will make you blessed. You'll never, you'll never do it. If you could, Jesus died in vain. He brought bread and wine from heaven, his body and his blood. The king of righteousness, the king of peace has come down. Abraham won a battle. I want to tell you something. You've got the victory. You've got the spoils. Why? Not because of what you've done, but because of the bread and wine. Because of the priest who blessed you. He blesses all of us. So my, as we end, my challenge for all of us, and even for myself continually, we're not striving to be blessed. No, you are blessed because of Christ. He's got so much life for us. God forbid he would die for us. God forbid he would rip a veil between the holy place and the most holy place. God forbid he would raise out of a grave for you, enter into the most holy place, make a new and living way by the Spirit, and we never commune with the living God. Father, I just thank you. Jesus, you're not just God, you're our high priest, you're our forerunner. Lord, you, you suffered for us that we might have life. You became poor that we might become rich. 
You took on flesh that we might partake of divinity. You came to earth so that we can go to heaven. <laughs> Lord, you became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in you. <laughs> Lord, you bore stripes and wounds so that we might be healed. Lord, you were in prison so that we'd be set free. Lord, you were judged so that we would be blessed. Lord, you endured scorn and accusation so that we would have favor and praise. You, King of heaven, King of earth, possessor of all things, We're laid low so that we can be lifted up. Lord, you blessed us. It's not by our own works that we're saved. And it's not by our own works that we're going to thrive in this world. <laughs> Come on, guys. We thrive in this world because Jesus loves us and he gives us his spirit and he wants to walk with us. So, Lord, I just thank you that you truly did it all. And I thank you, Father, that that it's not just head knowledge, but I pray that it'd be real for this whole church. I pray that this month, as we keep reading through Hebrews and thinking about you, I pray that we would find mercy and help in time of need. For those that need to experience mercy, you paid for it, Lord, but those that need to experience it, Lord, we come to you. We cling to your feet. Bible says that he's able and faithful to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness if you confess your sins so Lord we just cling to you we thank you that you have mercy for us and Lord we thank you that it doesn't end there it doesn't end with oh I'm forgiven but I'm going to keep living <laughs> in bondage but God I thank you that we're forgiven and you give us help so Lord I pray that you teach us to go to you. Lord, we want to zone out, zonk out when we're going through issues. I pray that we would learn to be mature people so the world can see your love, God. Lord, that when we're going through things that we don't turn to the, the things that numb us, but Lord, we turn to you that invigorates us. Lord, I pray that we'd be people that don't get sad and despondent and turning off and just checking out. But Lord, we would turn to you and continually be awakened and revived with eyes of fire, full of faith. Lord God, knowing that we have so much in you. And I pray for each of us, Lord God, for abundant life. That no matter what's going on on the outside, our relationships, God, I pray for abundant life. Father, forgive us for our sins. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. <laughs> Come on, guys. <sighs> I just remember one time I was praying over this lady at a witch place. It was a, truly a witch place. It was, and this lady came up to me, and I was prophesying over her, and she'd been going to this witch place for so long, and I, I said what I just said to all of us, you know? That prayer, the Lord's Prayer. She had an arm problem and she couldn't, I've told this story before at our church, but she had this arm problem. She couldn't lift up her hand for years and was going to this witch place for like, I don't know, 
voodoo stuff and ain't nothing was happening for her. She starts crying, lifts up her hands, fully healed. And she's like, what church do you go to? <laughs> she wanted to get out of Dodge. I was like, you got to get out of here. <laughs> Run. He's so real, guys. Oh, I got to stop. <laughs>